This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast, brought to you, of course, by the good folks at Bet Rivers. Remember, Go to BetRivers.com to download the BetRivers app, and you'll get a faster experience, exclusive promotions, one app while traveling. So download the new and improved BetRivers app for all of your entertainment needs. And remember, get extra value this football season with the BetRivers squares. Win up to $10,000 in bonus money. All you have to do is bet $10 in same-game parlays on any game that features the squares icon. And you can win. You get, like, the Super Bowl box, you know, 10 on this side, 10 on that side, two teams. And if you connect with the box, who knows? You might win up to $10,000 in bonus money for just $10. As we get ready, uh, baseball underway, as we know. Um, Boy, the crowd in Tampa was just unbelievable. Um, But they really didn't even have 24 hours to promote the game. And if you try that down there and play it in the afternoon, you're going to have big, big problems. They need a new stadium, and they're on their way to getting one. Um, But as we look ahead to week five in the NFL, uh, Aaron Rodgers is making a lot of statements, okay, about his intense recovery, his new age recovery, all the different things he's using, the chambers, oxygen, prayer, uh, you know, uh, yoga, whatever it may be. He also indicated that he has a, a ligament problem near his ankle. It's not just the uh, Achilles tendon. But he also has stressed that Usually the timetable for the first part of rehabilitation is six to eight weeks. He did it in 13 days. He moved on to stage two in 13 days and that he will play again this season. But there's one thing to remember here. Even if you believe in this miraculous recovery, there's one thing to remember here. What does he return to? Why would he rush to come back if the team isn't going anywhere? And right now they're one in three. Even if you say, okay, I'm going to give you a early to mid-December timetable, which would be miraculous for Rodgers, which would, let's say, leave weeks 15, 16, 17, 18 for him to play. Okay, let's just go with that argument for a second. Why would he possibly come back unless they are a playoff contender? Either they can win their way into the postseason – and you're looking at a wild card because look at the division. They're not winning the division title. We all agree on that. Even the most ardent Jet fan agrees on that. But let's say you're going to keep this team above water. He might be able to come back and deal with that. But look at it realistically. They're one in three right now. They've already played three home games. They're one in three, and they're very lucky they're one in three because it was a gift, gift-wrapped with a big bow 
from Josh Allen. Otherwise, they're 0-4. But they're not. They're 1-3. They go to Denver this week for the revenge game. They're not even favored in Denver. That doesn't matter. How are they going to play in Denver? Is this game going to be the gift game everyone thinks it could be, okay, based on what happened Sunday night? This is a must-win any way you look at it. If they are going to do anything this year, this is a game they have to win. Because you look at the schedule. They have the Eagles next week. They have a bye week. Then they play the Giants in what will be, now the Giants look like as bad a team as there is in the league right now. And with their offensive line the way it is, it's hard to see them beating anybody, including the Jet pass rush. But after that comes the Chargers on Monday night, a trip to the Raiders on Sunday night, and then the Bills on the road, and the Dolphins at home on the Black Friday afternoon game, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, and they're going to play an NFL game that day for the first time ever at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's Jets and the, uh, Jets and the Fish. But that means Bills and Dolphins right there. So the schedule is anything but easy. This is the game that you're playing a team that's one of the weaker teams in the league. They won last week, but they played the Bears, who might be the worst team in the league. This is going to be an emotional game. Sean Payton's no dummy. He knows what he said. He knows what's going to be bulletin board material. He knows what the deal is this week. He also knows that right now this game is a winnable game for him. He got a win last week. He's looking for another win right now. He's looking to turn his season around. So this game's anything but automatic, despite the fact some people are treating it like it is. But they have to win this game. They have to start winning some games. You know, no matter what you thought about Wilson's performance against Kansas City, if you were one of these people who are now pie in the sky that Wilson now has completely transformed himself and is on his way to, you know, great glory, which is utterly ridiculous after one week. Hey, he went from non-competitive to much improved. Were there some things you didn't like in that game? Well, they better have been. He turned the ball over at a critical juncture. He almost threw two picks on the series before it. He missed open guys in the end zone. Now, he did have... The drive. There's no taking that away from him. When he came out in the third quarter, that drive, which culminated in the two-point conversion run, that drive was the best he's ever played in his career. There's no question about it. He made three-plus throws and one exceptional throw on that drive. Can't take anything about that drive away from him. If he's going to play like that drive... You got something. Now, he didn't play that way the entire game, nor would you expect him to. But in the NFL, one game does not make even a season, no less a career. This guy went from having just no chance and being non-competitive, and all we can do, it's not personal. It's not in any way about him. It's about watching the performance and being objective about what you see. What we had seen so far was a quarterback who was non-competitive. We saw him take 
for him, a quantum leap in the Kansas City game, including that drive, which was spectacular. From his standpoint, from where he was to what he did, that drive was spectacular. Now, the rest of the game was spotty. Did he have a couple of drops? Well, all quarterbacks have a couple of drops. Did Carter drop when he should have caught? Absolutely. But remember, Cobb made a catch on a ball that was terribly thrown. Wilson made at least two catches on balls that were miserably thrown. And he missed Wilson in the end zone. And listen, he targeted Wilson 14 times. But all he got out of those 14 targets was 60 yards with a receiver who was as explosive as anybody in the league. It's got to be better than that. 14 targets for 60 yards is not getting the job done. Now, the thing I'd say best about what happened there is he showed that he could keep the offense on some kind of rhythm for the first time. He showed some presence in the pocket for the first time. He also showed far better mechanics. He was throwing the ball on time. He was throwing the ball properly. He was stepping into his throws. He was doing a lot better in that regard than he had showed in the past. He did hit a lot of different receivers. He checked down to the backs a lot. He hit a lot of tight ends. He hit a myriad of receivers. But he also targeted his big guy 14 times, connected nine for 60 yards. So you saw some good things. But remember, that's one game. We've seen plenty of guys have a good game and revert to a substandard performance. Let's see where we are here and just let it unfold. But the other part of this is they have to win games. That has to be part of this equation. Salah has to come to a point in his career where he wins games. The Jets have to come to a point in their career where they win games. That's what this is about. It's not about moral victories. You want to take a moral victory because of Kansas City the other night, moaning, groaning about the officials. And remember, there were a lot of flags thrown both ways on that last crazy part of that game. A lot of flags both ways. You want a holding call on every call? Hey, that doesn't happen. There's plenty of holding going on all over the place. They can call it on almost every down. So when they whistle a defending champion as many times as they did for holding the other night, you can't complain. There was a balance in the flags the other night. Bottom line is, on that controversial call, the biggest thing to me was not whether there was contact. He threw the flag really late. That was the biggest objection I would have with it was he threw it really late. Play was basically over when he threw it. That was my biggest gripe. Was there contact? Absolutely there was contact. There's contact a lot. And let's be honest, no one has been a bigger source guard the guy than me coming out of college. I watched him in Cincinnati and raved about him that whole year. I said I thought he was the best player in the draft. I loved him for, like everyone else has. But he hasn't played the same way this year as he did last year. They're completing passes on him. They're getting yardage on him. His numbers are not anywhere near what they were. Now it's only... It's only four games, but he hasn't played at the same level this year. You've got to be honest about it. He hasn't. 
not just a drop for the interception, which can turn the game around, but no, they have completed passes on him this year. He's had, I believe the number is right now, one-third of the number of passes that were completed on him all season last year have been completed through four games. And I think half the yardage. So they're going after him a little bit this year, and they're having some success against him. He has to play better. But for Rodgers to matter, not just to prove that he can stand on his two feet and play again this year, which would be a you know, medical miracle, but for him to come back, they have to have a reason for him to come back, which means they have to turn this season around now. They can't go one in five, and you're going to tell me, oh, Aaron Rodgers is coming back in December. He's coming back to what? Coming back to a team that's three games under 500 with four games to play? And remember, the last four games at Miami, Washington, okay, I'll give you a win there, at Cleveland, in late in the season, never a good place to play. And against a good defense and a good pass rush, and the Jets are not strong in that area of protecting the quarterback. And then the last game's at New England where they never win. And I understand Belichick won't have anything to play for. Yes, he will. He'll be able to beat the Jets again, which he loves to do. And he does every single time he sees them. So the last four games are not easy. Three of them are on the road. And none of them are going to be easy. At the Dolphins, at Cleveland, and at the Pats. That's if you're even alive at that point. So this team has to turn it around now, or what exactly is Rodgers rushing to do? To come back to a team, you're going to put him back on the field this year? If you are, say, one and three, two and four, three and six, three and seven, Four and you know five and eight. You're going to put him back on the on 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 the field if you're four and eight or five or four and nine or five and eight. You're not. Why would you do that? So he has a one in you know six chance to get into the postseason. What are you going to do? You bring him back and do that early and risk him getting hurt again? Doesn't make any sense. With what you have invested in him, so for him to come back, they have to start winning games and winning them a lot. Because let's say you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games to play before he could possibly return. If he's talking about middle of December, nine or ten games. You have to win two-thirds of those games for it to matter. You're one in three right now. In a division where the Buffalo Bills are going to win a lot of games, in a division where the Dolphins are going to win a good number of games, not, you know, they're not as good as the Bills never thought they were. And people who downgraded the Bills after that opening loss and acted like they, you know, the door is closed on their candidacy to win a Super Bowl, it's nonsense. They're clearly one of the best teams. Did they just get a terrible break with White? Yes, terrible. Those things are hard to overcome if you're talking about the top of the league, but the league has already changed a little bit at the top because Cincinnati, who, let's be honest, I thought this was Cincinnati's year. I picked Cincinnati Philly Super Bowl. 
Now, I didn't realize Burroughs was as hurt as he is, but it's not just that. There's a lot of holes on that Cincinnati team. Why are they so bad against the run all of a sudden? They are breaking down not just in the passing game where they have broken down unbelievably because they went into the season with a quarterback who's top three and with the best passing trio, uh, receiving trio in the league. And they can't get the ball down the field. And they can't get in the end zone. Because he can't stride into the ball. So they're dinking and dunking because he can't throw the ball. He probably should be on the bench until he heals. That's a story for another day. But they don't look like they're going to be the same team this year. They're going to have to rally to do that. But Kansas City and Buffalo are going to be right there, knocking on the door like always. No question about that. All roads are going through those two teams until further notice. So the demise of the Bills was way, way premature. So, you know, the quarterback becomes this obsession now with the Jets and with this franchise. Rodgers, his rehabilitation, what does the future hold for him? Wilson, can he, can't he, can he play? Can he get through weeks? Can he win games? The question first was, could he get through a game and look like a quarterback? He answered that yes for one week. He's got to answer it for more than one week. Number two, they have to start winning games immediately. Or this is really not even worth discussing this year. If they lose in Denver and then have the Eagles, they're staring at one and five and going nowhere. And then why are you bringing an ancient, and he is ancient, he is all world, but he's ancient. Why would you risk bringing him back early and having him get hurt again? It would make no sense. So you would want to put, not the brakes, but at least the governor on his rapid-fire rehabilitation unless you have a reason for him to accelerate the process, which right now doesn't show up in the standings. Week two in the Wilson saga, as far as him now being able to play the position and see if he can lead this team to victory is upon us. This saga is going to go on every single week. It just is. But this team, for it to matter in any way, has to start winning games now. And this is their big revenge game. This is the game they circled on the calendar in preseason, talked openly about, were clearly openly affronted by what Sean said, which, listen, they had every right to be. Now they got to back up their words. They basically all said they were going to make them pay. Rodgers isn't there to make them pay. Let's see if they can make them pay this week. Denver's not very good. They had a gift last week. They were 0-3, and they were down 28-7 to the Bears, and the Bears decided with some dumb coaching decisions and some ridiculous mistakes and some ridiculous play calling, gave back a 21-point lead at home in the fourth quarter and lost the game. 
That's the Bears' issues. We know how bad they are. They're already looking to next year. Denver gets a win, and now this coach is going to try and build on that because his future is now. With his quarterback and his career and his paycheck and what the expectations are, he's supposed to win now. He's supposed to turn this around now. That's who he is. He's never for next year, Sean. He's always for now. He knows in his mind this is an enormous week for his team because he needs to put back-to-back wins together for that franchise to matter at all this year. Same thing for the Jets. They come off an effort that, let's be honest, they got a moral victory out of that game. They were able to say, see, this kid can stand in there and play a little. Hey, we know what we're doing here, blah, blah, blah. But none of it matters if you keep piling loss upon loss on the season and on the head coach's record. His record is getting to the offensive stage in terms of wins and losses. It's coming up to the point where you wind up losing your job. He needs victories. They need victories, and they need them now. Your emails when we come back. You're listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, here we go. Remember, Mike Francesa Podcast at gmail.com. We haven't gotten to a bunch. Mon said to me, hey, we got a million emails. Let's get some done. I said, okay, here we go. Jason in Connecticut, I've been hearing the speculation that the Mets could uh, target Craig Council or Carlos Beltran as possible replacements. Would the Mets go back to the well and interview a Wally Backman as a candidate? You know, Wally always has fans, and I understand why. First of all, Wally's off-the-field stuff continues to plague him. Number two, I think that ship has long sailed. I don't think he would be in any way a candidate. You get the idea that Council has no interest in leaving Milwaukee. I think Beltran, Chavez, guys like that. Now, I've heard some rumblings about other people's managers. So let's see about that. You got to check on who's got contracts, who's going to be allowed to negotiate if they are under contract. I have heard a little of that stuff. I'm not going to get into those guys' names right now. I have heard a little of that. But, hey, bottom line is, it's about they could have kept Buck. They decided not to. They decide to go in a different direction. Fine. They need a pitching staff before they worry about who the manager is. The manager isn't going to win unless they get markedly better in the starting rotation and in the bullpen. Diaz is going to come back next year. But other than Senga, they don't have one guy that you can say, wow, I'm really happy about him being in the rotation next year. Senga is really good. And I think he, I thought he was a three going into next year. I think now it's legitimate to say he's a two. He is really impressive this year. As a matter of fact, I thought he was the most impressive Met. I, Alonzo showed what he can do again with his power. Lindor did some very good things with his offensive numbers, especially in the second half. But I thought Senga was the guy that opened eyes this year. I think he, without any question, uh, and a couple of the youngsters can play. Uh, Adam in uh, Kentucky 
Seems during kickoffs in the NFL, the ball is rarely returned. All right, we can stop right there. The question is, are we headed towards no kickoffs in the future? I think we are. Let's be honest. The NFL doesn't want any part of it. They think there's too many injuries. They don't want to staff it. They don't want to practice it. And they don't want to get people hurt that way. A lot of people get hurt on the returns. Can't take the punt out of the game. So you can't take the punt return out of the game. They can take the kickoff out of the game and just start the ball on whatever line of scrimmage they deem fair. Uh, I think they will in the future and probably in the fairly near future, they will take the kick return out of the sport. I don't think there's any question. Now, it's sad that they will, but I think they are headed in that direction. Joe from Jersey. So sad to hear about the passing of Tim Wakefield and Russ Francis. Uh, Dependable, solid contributors to their teams. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Wakefield, I didn't know, but you hear nice things about him. Solid pitcher, journeyman pitcher, not a great pitcher, but a solid pitcher. Has had some good days. Russ Francis was better than just a you know good player. Russ Francis was a really good player, and he was the beginning of the modern tight end. He was a really good player. Sad to see what happened. Uh, the accident with the plane. Um, but I remember those New England teams were good. I mean, if you go back to those Grogan teams with the wonderful firepower they had and the people they had at wide receiver, uh, Russ Francis, the linebackers, I mean, they were a really good team, that New England team. Explosive. Used to bury the Jets. Oh, uh, they, were, they were very good. Patrick, uh, how have the Giants fallen so far? They brought in better players. It's another year in the same system, yet the execution and coaching have been terrible. I'm puzzled by, I'm also puzzled. I see the injuries. I see the problems with the offensive line. I understand Barkley's gone. Uh, But the breakdowns that they suffered, considering where they were last year, and what they accomplished, to fall this far and have their preparation and coaching be this far off after what it showed last year, I really believe that if you count preparation, using the talent you have at hand, and in-game situations and adjustments, I thought that Giants coached better than any team in the league last year. This year, it is awful in every way. Their defense misses a million tackles, gives up a million big plays. Their special teams are rotten, and their offensive line is embarrassing. And there is no changes to help out the blocking and help out Daniel Jones. I don't understand what's going on with David, but he has almost given back all the currency that he gained last year. And he gained a lot. And that made this a free year, but you know what? He's using it up and using it up quick. They have been just disgraceful so far. Mike from Staten Island. As a Yankee fan, I've always respected and admired uh, Terry Francona. Uh, with the announcement of his stepping down, can you touch on his impact? Absolutely. First of all, I have always maintained a, f- a friendship with him. I, he's my favorite. 
Uh, I made no secrets through the years as he's come on the show forever uh, and come on all my programs. Uh, one of my favorites. One of the great managers, I think, in baseball history. Had a touch that was rare. And, you know, he got his first opportunity out of nowhere because of what the impact he had with Michael Jordan in the minor leagues. And Michael Jordan really personally saw to it that he got a chance to manage in the majors when he got a chance. The job he did in Boston was incomparable. The job he's done in Cleveland has been tremendous. He improves every team dramatically that he touches. And as good a manager he is, he's a better guy. Baseball can't afford to lose guys like Francona. I think baseball took a hit. You take Buck out of the major leagues. You take Francona out of the major leagues. You've taken a lot out of the major leagues. That's a lot. That's a lot of baseball knowledge. That's a, a lot of baseball credibility. Buck's career is harder to digest because of his postseason imperfections. He was a builder. He didn't get his teams over the finish line, which some will take as a detract, will detract from his career. Francona was a flat-out winner in every single way, and I think one of the great managers in baseball history. And he will be sorely missed as a person and as a manager. Phil, enough with Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Phil, you know that I'm not going to have much impact with that. Listen, I like Taylor Swift. First of all, my daughter has always been a huge, my daughter Emily, who is now in college, has always been an enormous Taylor Swift fan from the time she was a little girl. I took her to see Taylor Swift at Giant Stadium. I took her to see Taylor Swift at Mass Square Garden on numerous occasions when she was growing up. I even, one time, thanks to the folks at the Garden, got to take her in to meet Taylor Swift, who could not have been nicer to every little girl in the place and in the meeting, she took people out of the stands and met with them, and then she met with some people who were allowed to get into the room that night. We, that was me, uh, myself, and Emily, and a friend of hers. Uh, I still have a picture of that. Emily, I think, was like 11. She could not have been nice to Emily. And, uh, she was unbelievable. She spent time with her. She talked to her, took pictures with her. I mean, it, it, really, she could not have been nicer. I was very impressed by her. She has had insane success. She is known to be incredibly generous to the people around her. Um, there's nothing not to say about it that's good. Now, is this going to get a lot of publicity? It has gotten a lot of publicity. It's just the way it is. That's the way our culture works. Our culture can't get enough of this stuff. All right? People are impacted by it a lot more at a younger age than I would be. I take it as, hey, it is what it is. I, I don't get upset by it. I don't pay much attention to it. That's all. But I have nothing but good things to say about Taylor Swift uh, in any way. She, the, my experience with her has been nothing but positive. And like I said, she was very nice to my daughter, which was the only thing that I cared about. You know? And my daughter you know, still loves to see her. Her graduation present this year was to go to the concert, which was one of the hottest tickets that I can ever remember in May. Getting those tickets was I mean, it was crazy. That's how hard it was. Um, and tickets usually aren't that hard, but this was, like, insane. That's how hot the ticket was. And that was for a football stadium. She can fill a stadium. Uh, so she's a great performer. 
She's a great talent. And now, you know, she can date whoever she wants. And now she's dating a tight end. Um, Aaron, did you ever get the opportunity to interview Pete Rozelle? If so, what are your memories about the interview experience? It was very formal. I did get to spend time with Roselle on a couple of occasions around his hierarchy. Um, he was always in a very formal setting. I didn't, I'm not going to tell you that I had a close relationship with Pete Rozelle because I didn't. I've met him on occasions. I worked for people who had very close relationships. When I was young and I worked for Brent Mossberger, he was very close with Pete Rozelle. When I worked on the NFL Today with Brent, in those early years uh, at CBS, he was very close to Pete Rozelle. Um, so I was in his company on numerous occasions, uh, but he was, you know, he was the king. You know, so uh, I did not know him on a very personal level that well. Uh, he is the commissioner that all commissioners are judged against. He is the architect and his genius help build the NFL. I have been very critical at times of the NFL under Goodell for, for a variety of reasons, and I think for a lot of good reasons. But when Roselle ran the league with Weiss and with Joe Brown as his two real you know, right and left hands, the NFL ran better than any business I ever saw. It ran like a top. It ran brilliantly. It never makes, in those days, it never made a mistake. That's how good it was. Um, with Rodgers out for the season, well, he obviously will dispute that. Uh, should the Jets tank for Williams? No, that's not in the cards. Uh, Frankie, do the Giants... Already regret the Jones contract. Well, when you watched, they will flip the iPad the other night and then say in the postgame, the play was not for him to throw an interception on the goal line. You could tell how upset he was with Daniel Jones. And last year, one of the biggest things that Dable brought to the Giants was he coached the mistakes out of Daniel Jones's game. He utilized Daniel Jones's strengths, especially his legs, brilliantly, and he took the mistake, which Daniel Jones had been the biggest mistake quarterback in the league under the other coaches. He took that out. It has been re-entered into the game, and it cannot be part of the Giants' life. Big Daniel Jones mistakes like the pick six with Witherspoon, cannot be part of the equation. The Giants don't have the ability to overcome those things. But Daniel Jones is now seeing gremlins again. He is seeing things that aren't there. He is making mistakes that he made in years past because he is under incredible duress. When you get sacked 11 times and rushed on almost every passing down, it will take an enormous toll. It has clearly taken a toll on the Giants and on Daniel Jones. What are your thoughts? This is Dustin. What are your thoughts on Geno Smith? Uh, 
Who was the last quarterback that you remember who started off so poorly but redeemed himself this well? Good question. I would say Jim Plunkett. Uh, Jim Plunkett was the number one pick, a complete bust in New England, on his way out of football, and then rekindled to the point where he came back, had a storied career, and won multiple Super Bowls. I don't want to put Gino in that class, but that would be the one that all are measured by. Um, Gino Smith was a perfect example of a quarterback in the wrong place at the wrong time. To get ahead as a quarterback, you have to be in the right place at the right time and have somebody in the organization believe in you. If you don't get that, if you don't get that kind of coaching and care early, it will be very destructive. Gino waited a very long time to prove that he could play in this league. And when he got his opportunity and he finally got a guy who said, hey, this is your job. Show me what you can do. And don't look at the bench when you make a mistake because you're not coming out. Gino took off last year and played very good football. He's always had a throwing arm. And he has showed. And just the way he came back the other night, you see, Geno Smith was very upset at what he thought was a cheap shot because the last thing he wants to do is go back to the bench. And he doesn't want anything to send him back to the bench. He waited too long to get in the game. And it has worked for him. And he proved he could play. So give him credit for having tremendous tenacity because he took a lot of years and took a lot of hits. You know, I don't care who you look at who made it in whatever business they made it in, be it football or baseball or any sport or broadcasting or whatever. If you don't think there were trials and tribulations, if you don't think there were people who challenged if you were any good, if you don't think there were people who tried to run you out, if you don't think there were people who didn't believe in you, but you have to find that person who does, and more than anything else, you've got to believe in yourself. And you've got to be able to take the hits, dust yourself off, because you're going to get the hits. I don't care what you do in life. You're going to get knocked down. You've got to get up. And as long as you get up and keep getting up, you got a chance. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. 